Hello everyone and welcome to IEJ podcast Mapping the Energy Future. My name is Kana Sato, senior researcher at JIME of IEJ and will be your partner for today's program. Today's program is G20 New Delhi, Accomplishments and Remaining Issues. Let me introduce Mr. Tatsuya Terazawa, Chairman and CEO of IEJ, the Institute of Energy Economics, Japan. India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi has successfully announced the leader's declaration while the minister's meeting could only have published outcome document and their summary. Could you tell your views on their summit results? Hi, my name is Tatsuya Terasawa. The G20's New Delhi Leader's Declaration was announced on September 10th. In the absence of President Putin of Russia and President Xi of China, the international media, as expected, was quick to highlight the tension and divergent views over the Ukraine conflict. Consequently, the messages from the Declaration concerning energy environment did not receive near the attention they deserved. With the participation of leaders from both the West and the Global South, the G20 can be considered as an international forum representative of the basic global direction. Having personally experienced the challenge of forming a consensus for the G20 Osaka Summit in 2019, I would like to praise the leadership of the Indian government in coming up with an agreed declaration, despite significant disagreements among the members of the G20. I would like to summarize them in the following six points, which start from, first, various pathways for energy transitions. Second, affordability, energy security, and market stability. Third, inclusive investments to meet the growing energy demand. Fourth, triple renewable energy capacity globally by 2030. Fifth, development of standards for hydrogen. And the last, sixth, no change in the language of phase down of unabated coal power. Thank you. We've been hearing about the division between the developed and developing countries. How do you evaluate the India's role this time? The G20 reconfirmed one of the major messages from the G7 Hiroshima summit, stressing that there should be various pathways for our energy transitions. In particular, such message recognizes the needs, the vulnerabilities, the priorities, as well as the different national circumstances of the developing countries. This message of various pathways is very important as there are some countries that wish to impose their particular pathway on other countries, including the developing world. I see. What are the major differences between the G7 and the G20? Compared with the G7 communique, which was predominantly focused on the climate change crisis, the G20 declaration is highlighting affordability, energy security, and market stability, which are vital for the Global South. To be more specific, the G20 declaration emphasized the importance of uninterrupted flows of energy from various sources, suppliers, and routes, which are essential for energy security. Support for reliable and diversified supply chains for critical minerals and materials were also stressed in this context. 
So the G20 declaration has put more focus on how to keep developing the economy, while G7 had it more on how to control the emissions, right? Were there messages in the same direction, but, it, but with differences? The G20 declaration emphasized the importance of inclusive investments to meet the growing energy demand. This can be considered as an expansion of the G7 Hiroshima communique that referred to the need for additional investments only in the gas sector with more conditions attached. I believe that the emphasis on affordability and market stability at the G20, especially for the Global South, is leading to a stronger need for investments. I sincerely hope that financing both from the public and the private sectors of the advanced economies will be provided in a smooth and sufficient manner to support investments. What about renewable energies and other technologies? The G20 declaration stated that pursuit and encouragement of efforts to triple renewable energy capacity globally by 2030. This is a very ambitious goal, which will also require low-cost financing, innovation, and grid interconnections, as noted in the declaration. Low-cost financing for the developing countries is particularly important as there is a significant gap between the level of financing required and what is actually provided. This is one of our remaining homework. In parallel with renewable energies, the roles of abatement removal technologies and energy efficiency improvement were recognized. The role of civil nuclear energies was also recognized for countries that opt to use it. I believe that in addition to renewable energies, access to multiple means will be necessary for the energy transitions. No particular option should be excluded. When it comes to energy transition or clean energy technologies, hydrogen should also play a part of it. Um, how was it treated there? Yes, the declaration also highlighted hydrogen. It is worth noting that not only hydrogen produced from zero emission technologies, but hydrogen produced from low emission technologies was also recognized. This implied that hydrogen cannot be distinguished by its production process. It should also be noted that ammonia was specifically singled out as an example of hydrogen derivatives reflecting its special role. The importance of developing mutually agreed harmonized standards was recognized. I believe that this is another homework for the world from the G20 to push forward. Which had the most intense discussion? Could I ask what are the remaining questions as well? The declaration settled with the language calling for accelerating the efforts towards the phase down of unabated coal power, which is the same as in last year's G20. There were proposals with significant differences concerning this language and some members at the ministerial meeting were suggesting the phase down of unabated fossil fuels. This was unquestionably a very difficult issue to reach a consensus, considering the positions of various G20 members. For those who attach greater importance to sustainability, they argued for the phase-down or even the phase-out of unabated fossil fuels. For the fossil energy-producing countries, words such as phase-down or phase-out would have been unacceptable. For energy-consuming developing countries, they should have demanded practical pathways to support their growth and ensure market stability or affordability.
admitting that little progress was made on this point this year at the G20, I believe that rather than just pushing respective positions, it is important to find practical and realistic pathways to achieve sustainability while supporting growth and ensuring affordability or market stability at the same time. In this regard, I believe that the first point made above, that is, various pathways, is very important to take into full consideration. I also believe that of all the homework for the energy or environment sector, this issue is the most important one that we need to take back from New Delhi. The G20 New Delhi Leaders Meeting was very significant for the energy or environment sector. It reflected the views of the Global South and developed many common directions to be pursued. It also clearly identified the remaining important issues that need to be seriously worked on. I caught you in your word of homework during today's conversation and understand that um, declaration is not a goal, but a guide of assignments. So thank you very much for your insightful comments on G20 New Delhi Summit. See you until the next time. Thank you very much. See you there. Thank you to the listeners for joining IEJ podcast, Mapping the Energy Future. If you enjoyed the program, please follow us on the podcast. For more detailed and insightful information, please visit our website. Goodbye for now.